This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3624 Friday, the 17th of June 2022. Today's show is entitled Photo Storage Backups and Workflow and is part of the series GIMP. It is hosted by Ayuka and is about 20 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is how to keep your photos safe. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Hello, this is Ahuka, welcoming you to another exciting episode in our ongoing GIMP series. And what I want to do today is talk about what you're going to do with all of those photos to protect them. Um, you know, the, the next thing that you need to think about when you contemplate a lifetime of photos that you might want to edit, fix, or improve is how you're going to set up your workflow. Now, since storage is relatively cheap on computers these days, for instance, I consider a three terabyte hard drive the smallest I will bother to install now. Uh, you know, it kind of makes sense to establish a careful workflow that uses this storage. Now, the way I do it is to have two separate directory trees, one for original photos and one for edited versions. Within each directory tree, I have subdirectories for each year. And then within each year, subdirectories for specific events if I have multiple photos. Uh, for instance, in 1979, we took a trip to San Francisco um, early in the year, and it was on that trip that we officially became engaged. So that's one folder. Then we had a a joint bachelor party, that's another folder. Cheryl's bridal shower was a third folder. The wedding was a fourth. The honeymoon was a fifth. Now, this was a busy year with a lot of photos and a lot of events. Some years, all I might have are some miscellaneous photos in the directory for that year. So anyway, I first put all of my originals into the right folders. Then I set up a duplicate structure for my edited versions. Now, if a photo doesn't need editing, or I've not gotten around to it yet, a, a copy still goes in the duplicate tree for it's what I call my final copies. The idea is that one tree is my archive and the other is my in-use group. Then I copy all of this to my NAS drive, which in my case is a Drobo 5N. Uh, and that, of course, has a uh, essentially RAID type of redundancy built into it. Now, that gives me some added backup, which is important. After all, there are only two kinds of hard drive in the world, those that have failed and those that are going to fail eventually. Now, I then copy the final, the entire tree of the final versions or or updates as it goes on 
um, onto an SD card, which is inserted into an electronic photo frame, which sits beside my monitor and runs continuously, changing the photo every 15 minutes. Now, mine is a 10.1-inch frame from a company called Sungale. Um, Amazon has it listed for $79 as I write this. I put a link in the show notes. Now, you can spend more than this or less than this. I'm just saying this is what I have. I'm satisfied with it. The point is, I don't just want photos stored away. I want to enjoy them and relive those memories. So, for instance, I get to revisit the trip we took to Ireland with my brother and his wife, or the Rhine River cruise we did for our 40th wedding anniversary. Stuff worth reliving. Now, this is good, but it isn't enough to be safe. If my house caught fire, as an example, I expect I would lose my computer, my NAS drive, and my photo frame. And then there is the famous example of the director, Francis Ford Coppola. And I always keep this in mind. Francis, and I'm I'm quoting now from a story in The Guardian, link in the show notes, Francis Ford Coppola, five-time Oscar-winning director of the Godfather trilogy and other films, knows how that feels. Yesterday, he lamented the fact that he had lost computer data, including his writings and family photographs, going back 15 years in a robbery on his Argentinian studios. He had backed up all the material, but the robbers also stole the small reserve memory that was lying on the floor of the studio. If someone could bring me back my backup, I'd be very happy, Mr. Coppola said. Speaking to the Argentine news agency Todo Noticias, he said, The lost material held all of the photographs of my life, all of my writing. The return of the backup, which he described as just a little thing, would save me years. You know, and that's a good object lesson. Uh, unfortunately, it's the hardest way to learn that lesson. Uh, so, you know, having a backup on site is better than not having a backup on site. No one is saying that you shouldn't do that, but it is not sufficient if it's anything you really want to hang on to. Now, it's a matter of, of record, I, th- I would say, uh, that every day someone loses a lifetime's worth of photos when a computer crashes and dies. And people who have, uh, you know, technology advice columns are constantly getting letters. What can I do to get my photos back? Well, you know, uh, in most cases, nothing, or you can spend a small fortune to have a data recovery firm do it. Uh, I don't think that's the best way to do it. Um, I think you just need to have off-site backups, and uh, I've done this with a kind of triple redundancy. Now, this is just how I'm doing it. Uh, I offer it for your consideration. And the thing you need to keep in mind is that the off-site backup is not free. You, you do need to spend something. Now, it could be as simple as a spare hard drive that you leave with a friend, But then you have to be sure your friend will be as careful with it as you would like. And let's face it, your photos don't mean as much to your friend as they do to you. Now, I've chosen to go with cloud backup in three different ways. Now, first is Facebook. Now, there's no monetary cost to putting your photos on Facebook. 
You pay in other ways, of course, such as giving them information, seeing advertising, stuff like that. Now, I wouldn't join Facebook for the sole purpose of storing photos, but I have an account there because everyone else in my family is there, and that's how we keep in touch. And they're the people I would be most interested in sharing my photos with. And perhaps the only people who really would be interested in seeing them. Uh, Now, of course, one wrinkle with this is you can't just store the photos. You have to post them. Uh, At least I've not found a way to store them without posting them. But since I have no compromising nude photos, that isn't a big deal for me. Um, Now, the next one, Google Photos. Now, this used to be a better deal when Google gave you unlimited storage. Those days are gone. Um, As of June 1st, 2021, any new photos you upload will count towards your Google storage limit, which is 15 gigabytes if you have a free Google account. Uh, and, And that has to cover everything. Now, they did grandfather in, for now, any photos previously uploaded, so they will not count towards the limit. Now, if you need more storage, you have to purchase it from Google. Now, I said it covers everything. It's not just photos. Google Docs, Google Drive, Gmail, all of those things count. Uh, And, of course, Gmail, they're always encouraging you to keep all of your mail forever. So that will mount up if you do that. Um, It's not a bad deal, okay? Um, I pay $30 a year. And I have, at the moment, 204 gigabytes of storage. Now, I checked, and the deal right now is $30 a year gets you 200 gigabytes. So the 4 gigabytes must be old stuff that got grandfathered in or something. I don't, I don't know. Um, so I have a capacity of 204 gigabytes there, of which I have used 86.11 gigabytes. Um, and... The breakdown on that, and you can see this if you uh, you go into your your Google storage. Um, Google Drive is twenty five point nine gigabytes. Now I've got um, you know PDF files and and stuff in there, and and Google Drive is is how I share things with my wife that uh, we may need to both have access to. And Gmail, relatively small, 0.58 gigabytes. I am pretty good about not hanging on to stuff that I don't need. Um, So I tend to delete most of my emails. And then finally, Google Photos, 59.62 gigabytes. Um, So, yeah, it's... The $30 a year doesn't bother me. Uh, Then Flickr. Now, I have a Flickr Pro account. That costs about $50 a year, and it gets me unlimited storage. I have to say, the future of Flickr is a little uncertain right now. It was acquired by SmugMug, uh, which is good because, you know, remember, originally it was part of Yahoo, and it kind of languished with Yahoo. Uh, But uh, SmugMug has reported that uh, Flickr is still losing money. And there may be a limit to how long they can afford to keep doing that. Um, so, Smug Mug itself is not a bad deal either. 
okay, has a basic plan offering unlimited storage for $55 a year. Um, so anyway, uh, Facebook, Google, and Flickr are the three that I have right now. Um, I've had them for a few years. Now, there's other alternatives like Shutterfly, and I've also um, posted a link in the show notes to an article from Bebomb that uh, has a list of alternatives. Now, the general rule here is that there is no free lunch. You have to pay for storage. Uh, if a site offers free, unlimited storage, well, you know they have to make money somehow, and you might not like how they do it. So I actually just prefer a straight commercial transaction. But that's me. You know, you can make up your own mind about that. Uh, in all three of these services, you do things pretty much the same way. You upload photos, you collect them in groups that are called albums, and then you can share them. You can add descriptions for each photo, and for each album, you can create accompanying text. Now, for instance, on our Rhine River cruise, I brought my Chromebook along, and each day I wrote down a diary using a Google Doc of what we did, the things we saw, the people we met. When I got home, I collected each day's photos into an album and then pasted in my diary entry for that day as the album text. Now, in Facebook, that becomes the text of the post. So I've got a good record of what we did. Note also that all three of these will store videos as well as still photos. I often will record short videos using my phone or my waterproof action camera, which I've posted shows about previously, and these are generally about three minutes in length. So um, I haven't attempted to, you know, put up an hour's worth of video or anything. <clears throat> I mean, if I had that much video to put up, I would put it on YouTube. I have an account there, too. Um, so, here's what my workflow looks like as a result of this. Number one, I take some photos. Um, number two, record some information. Now, it might be the daily diary, like I did on our Rhine River cruise, or... You know, if I'm at a music festival, it might be a program where I just write down and number in order the uh, the people I took photos of. Um, then when I get home, I move the photos from my phone or my camera onto my computer in the originals directory tree. And I use the information I recorded to name the photos appropriately. Then make any edits that are needed, like cropping, color correction, etc. And discard any duds because, you know, I take more photos than I end up keeping. Some of them just don't come out very well. And then store the result in the edited or final directory tree. Then, copy the updates for both trees to a Drobo NAS device. Now, this step could easily be automated using backup software, but as part of my standard workflow, it really doesn't take long to do it manually. Uh, then, go to Flickr. Upload the edited photos, caption them with information I recorded, collect them in an album, add the explanatory text to the album, which could be anything from a few sentences to a page. 
then go to Google, upload and do the similar. Go to Facebook, upload, do the similar, and post it. And enjoy the comments from family and friends on Facebook. And finally, copy to the SD card on my electronic picture frame. Now, frankly, I do that about once a year. <coughs> now, software backup. This is another thing to think about uh, and is often overlooked. Uh, in GIMP, we've looked at the idea there are plugins available in that you can download and add things like fonts, brushes, patterns, and so on. If you get used to having them available, you might want to back them up as well. If you already have an off-site or cloud backup solution, you could easily add a few directories. Uh, in GIMP, go to the Edit menu, select Preferences, and go all the way down to Folders. Click the plus sign to expand it, and you should have a window that is going to list all of your folders. It would be Brushes, Dynamics, Patterns, Palettes, Gradients, etc., etc., etc. Um, now, I have a picture of this on my web page, and this is for my Kubuntu 20.04 box running GIMP 2.10.24. I say that because, depending on your system, things may look slightly different. Um, for many of these, you're going to see two different directories. One is marked as writable, and the other is not. Now, the thing you have to understand is that GIMP sets up its own folders uh, on installation, and they're not intended to be user-writable. Um, and so that stores all of the stuff that GIMP automatically comes with as part of the installation. Now, the folders that are marked writable, in, in my case, they're the ones in my home directory, whereas GIMP's uh, built-in stuff is in the slash USR directory. Anyway, the folders marked writable um, are where you're supposed to store all of these things. And we've talked about it before. Anything you put in that folder will automatically appear the next time you open GIMP. It knows to look in that folder and load anything it sees there. Um, now, you may not be running the same kind of system I am. I put a link in the show notes to uh, a page on the GIMP site that talks about how to do this for Windows or uh, OS X, if you're into any of those things. Um, now, if I'm backing up my entire home directory, which I would say is probably best practice, it's kind of covered, but again, think about what happens if the backup is only local, all right? If you're not backing up to the cloud somewhere, uh, that backup could disappear again. Flood, fire, um, any of these things. Um, so, you know, copying that uh, directory um, is probably a good idea. So anyway, if you if you go to this uh, to the folders, you can see where things are located on your system. Um, I would say copying this stuff to a, a cloud storage like, you know, a Google Drive or Dropbox or, you know, whatever. You know, if you have an off-site Nextcloud hosted somewhere, 
that could be cool. So to summarize, you know, before I retired, I was a project manager for about 15 years. And one of the things I had to do on my projects was risk management. The idea was to look at different scenarios, see what the outcomes would be and how the project would recover from a bad outcome. That doesn't mean you protect against everything at all costs, but it does mean you consider everything that might happen, how likely it is, and what it would cost to protect against it, and so on. Then you would make a deliberate decision. It might be to mitigate the risk, to insure against it, or just accept it. Uh, I suggest you approach this in a similar spirit. Some risks you may decide to simply accept. There isn't a whole lot I can do to protect my assets in the event of a nuclear war. Uh, But a tornado could wreck my house because I live in a place where they happen with some regularity, which is the middle of the United States. And if I live through the event, which is likely if there is a warning, and there usually is, would I like to get my photos back? Can I do it at an acceptable cost? If the answer to those two questions is yes, then I need to take some steps. So, look at the scenarios that might cause you to lose your photos and think about how much they are worth to you, and then act on that. And so with that, this is Ahuka for Hacker Public Radio signing off and, as always, encouraging you to support free software. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.